Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis here in the studio at Crossway Church on this beautiful Monday morning. We're in 1 Peter chapter 5. This is going to be part 2. And uh, it's just a, a great Bible study. It has been, as the Lord has revealed to us, the overall context of 1 Peter, this first letter of Peter, and which is suffering, enduring suffering because of our faith being in the right object, which is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Christianity for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of righteousness, that we might, that, that we might suffer with him so that we can reign with him. That's what Paul wrote to Timothy. If we suffer, we will reign with him. And so it's, it's just been a great Bible study, and it will continue through this very last portion, this last chapter 5 of First Peter. And uh, it, it, it's just uh, amazing what the Lord is doing here in these last days, especially where he's been able to bring his people here and there all over the world back to a focus of the Lamb, back to the sacrifice of Christ. Really, the place of our first love is the place... Uh, where we recognize where he first loved us and what he did to be able to show that to us, which was what he did in Christ Jesus on Calvary's cross. Hallelujah. So this morning, again, it's 1 Peter chapter 5, part 2, uh, on this third day of July here in 2023. So let's uh, get back into this this morning, and I just want to uh, give an overview of the first three verses before we move on. It's necessary so that we can, uh, uh, you know, as we like to say around here, we like to scratch our feet where we've been so that we can begin to take more steps in where the Lord is leading us. So this letter we see in the first verse is written uh, to the Jewish Christian leaders, the elders, which are among uh, these Jewish Christians. And Peter lets them know that he also is an elder, not just older in age, but he is an elder. He is a leader in the church, and he's also a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and he's also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. And Paul wrote the same thing in Romans chapter 8. So he says, as we covered in session 1 of this fifth chapter, feed the flock which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. You, you, a pastor is not overseeing the congregation spiritually unless he's feeding them. And I have to say this today, it's not just the Word of God being read to the body of Christ. It is the Word of God in the context of the living Word of God who is the Son of God and what He did as the Lamb of God. Without that last part, the Lamb of God. There is no eating. There is no drinking. We do not just eat and drink the Word of God. We eat the flesh and drink the blood of Jesus. Think about how crucial it is to understand that and know that. You, 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 must, you must know that. That Jesus said the new covenant is in His blood. So any benefits of the new covenant can only be experienced by faith in his blood, in his death, what he did on the cross. Not the tree, not the cross, not the beam of wood, but who he is and what he there did is the only avenue of provision into being a part of the new covenant and experiencing the benefits of the new covenant. And, and for the most part, the church doesn't know this. That's why, and you know it, because they're not preaching this. Uh, we, we make a grave mistake of letting the cross be something in the past. That's, that, listen, when we put the cross behind us, then the world is before us. But when we cr put the cross before us, then we're following Christ, and the world is behind us. You need to understand that. Israel of old was accused by God of, of putting him 
behind them. Let, let's look at that. I didn't plan on this, but I think it's 1 Kings 14. I hope I get it right. Verse 9. Uh, uh, yes. 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 9. And the Lord is telling them, you've done evil uh, above all that were before you, and 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 you've gone and made other gods for yourself and molten images to provoke me to anger. They didn't just do it, those things. They did it to provoke God to anger. Watch this. And have cast me behind your back. Don't think reading things like this in the Old Covenant that they're no longer happening. I've heard preachers actually say when we were about to go into one particular town and uh, a little conference on the weekend was being planned there to bring the message of the cross, the focus of the Lamb crucified into that town, one preacher said, do we really want that message in our town? I mean, it doesn't matter what he would say. That would be a statement that God hears in these words. You've put me behind you and you've placed other things before you. So it, it, it still happens greatly today. Matter of fact, for the most part, and they even using God's word. Israel, the Pharisees were using God's word, but it was all in old covenant legality form, and they, were, they weren't, listen, it, I know it's true, because if they would have been holding God's word in the context and purpose of its very writing, they would have recognized the Savior it was revealing to them that stood before them. And so you got to be careful about all this feeding the flock. There's only one meal. It's the flesh and the blood of Jesus. You can get up and whine and roll around and cry tears and or do whatever it is you do and read the Word of God and scream the Word of God and declare, thus saith the Lord. But if it doesn't end up, if it doesn't climax at Calvary, it's been a big ball of flesh. If it doesn't climax at Calvary, it's just a big ball of flesh. And that's the way God sees it. And so if it doesn't climax at Calvary, then we are not seeing and ending up where the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is always delivering us to, not just initially, but always we who are alive are being delivered unto the death of Jesus, so that we might express the life of Jesus. If we move away from that reality, we have in fact put God and his redemptive plan behind us, and now we need to move on to other things as many preachers have fallen prey to this. And so... And they will use great swelling words when they listen to me to try to say that what I'm saying is not really, and, and I don't listen to any of that. Because you're either determined to know nothing else or you're not. And you're either growing in your determination, you're growing in the direction of trusting more often and more often in the death of Jesus or we are more often not. And listen, if we're not trusting in the sacrifice of Christ, it means we're trusting in something else of our own doing. So remember that, preacher. You're not feeding the flock of God unless you're feeding them the Word of God in the context of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Outside of that context, there is no impartation. There is no eating and drinking of the Lord. So he says in verse 3, and we're just giving an overcap of the first three verses before we move on this morning, neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples of the flock. The word in samples, and I hope you would look it up. I always say that because I truly do hope that you would look these things up for your own self. But the word in sample it, it carries with it the very definition of a die. 
uh, or, a, or a form, a stamp. And, and when what you take whatever you you have and you place it on that die, that form or that stamp, and when you remove it, it carries what that form, that die, that stamp, what it looks like. And so we are to be the example of Christ among the sheep with what we feed them and how we live because we also are partaking of what we are feeding because there's only one meal. Hallelujah. There's only one meal. Glory be to God. I'm glad I know this today. Hallelujah. Doesn't make me better than anybody, but it sure shows me what the meal of the day is. And though we be not better than one person anywhere, we are being better equipped by the Holy Spirit because we're, uh, we, we've been brought by him to the place where we're learning to stay planted in the likeness of his death. We're learning to continually, moment by moment, uh, reckon ourselves to be dead indeed to the sin nature. We are learning to strive together for the faith of the gospel. Hallelujah. We're learning to become more and more determined not to know anything other than Christ crucified. We're learning to look more intensely at that which the Holy Spirit is always delivering us unto, that being the death of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 4.11. We're learning. Hallelujah. You can't be learning these things unless you're hearing these things. Hallelujah. So watch this now, but being in samples to the flock, it's a, it's, a little, it's a little different than the word example. An example is something you can look at and see the way things should be. And the in sample carries with it, as I've already said, the meaning of a die, a stamp, or a form. And that really is referring to Christ crucified because that is the picture that we have to be beholding to be able to be being changed into that glorious image by the Spirit of the Lord going from glory to glory. We have to be partaking of the Lamb to be able to be feeding the flock the Lamb because the meal is the Lamb. Hallelujah. John chapter 6, when Jesus taught about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, that's not just an entrance meal. That is a moment-by-moment meal. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So the, the word in sample, uh, let me make sure, but I'm pretty sure it carries with it. The first thing it says is a die. You know what a die is? Like when you, you have a die... And it's a, it's a pattern, and when you put something in that die, on that die, and remove it, it looks like what the pattern, what the die is. And that is, uh, by implication, a stamp or a scar, a shape, that is a statue, style, or resemblance, specifically a sampler, that is a model. And uh, so we see this as... The only, the only model for Christian living is Christ. And the only way to experience Christ is when our faith is in his death, Romans 8 and 2. Many have preached that, but they really hadn't come to the conclusion that it's really fully true. And you know, because some days we'll say God exclusively works within the perimeters of one's faith in the the cross, and then we'll say, well, sometimes God does things differently. And, and you, you have to make your mind up, my friend. That brings much confusion. It's a new covenant law. God will not move away from it. You'll either agree with him and walk with him, but you won't be able to walk with him if you don't agree with him, as the prophet Amos said in chapter 4, verse 4. I could be wrong about that. I believe that's right. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? Absolutely not. And unless we agree that the Holy Spirit only works, according to Romans 8 and 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death, knowing that's tied to the cross. If we, if we believe that wholeheartedly, then we'll be found rejecting everything that is not tied to the one place the Holy Spirit works, which is Christ crucified. So 
The, the end sample is Christ. He is the die. He is the form. Remember what Paul wrote in Romans 6? When you believed that form of doctrine. Why did the Holy Spirit through Paul call that a form of doctrine? Because it reformed you. That's the one doctrine that all doctrines must pass through is that reforming doctrine. That's why when God brings you out of a mess of religion as a child of God that we found ourselves in back to the place of the true form, the true die, the, 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 the true ensample, then you begin to say things, wow, I feel like I'm born again all over again. And he said when you obeyed that form of doctrine, that doctrine that, that has a form, has a die, has a, has a stamp in it, that when you touch the cross of Christ with your heart, you're believing unto the righteousness of Christ and you are made righteous in him initially. And then while you continue to trust in his work his, of death on the cross then you can bear forth the fruits of that righteousness. Hallelujah. But he called it a form because it reformed you. That's why the church needs a reformation. And the message of the cross is the only form of doctrine that can put you back in the place where you are properly walking with that form that saved you. Hallelujah. So I hope you get that. I hope the Holy Spirit will be able to impart that into your heart. But let's move on this morning. He says, and verse 4, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, the chief shepherd is about to appear for us. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Jesus, the chief shepherd, is about to appear for his church. His bride. You can count on it, my friend. Any moment, any moment, our Jesus is about to return for us. He's about to step out on that cloud and come get us and take us home. You better be ready. You better, you better be a Christian. If you're listening to me, you better be a Christian. And listen, if you're a Christian, I don't want you to be ashamed when you see him. I want joy to fill your heart. Hallelujah. So he says, and again, this is to really the elders, uh, the leaders among the Jewish Christians, uh, and really all Christian leaders, pastoral elders in the church. This is when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. When, when you're found faithfully feeding the flock of God, really the gospel, because through the gospel is the only avenue to eat, to partake, to be fed properly by the Lord, is, is to be hearing the message that saved you and keeps on saving you from you. I mean, a lot of Christians, and I've been there, I speak from experience, think, well, I'm already saved. I don't need to be hearing the gospel. I don't need to be hearing the message of the cross. My friend, I started this little airing, uh, this broadcast out today by reminding us those comments like that are comments made from people who actually have moved on with the cross behind them, and that's why they, their, their lives are miserable. They're confused. It's, their lives are full of contradiction. They, they end up in burnout, even though a lot of times they won't admit it. They're sick of church. They're sick of going to church. They're sick of Now, they know they have to keep going because grandma or my whoever or whatever, men, 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 but they get, but listen, if the cross, is before you, that means everything else is going to be in your rear view. You don't want the cross behind you and because if it is, everything you don't want to be in front of you is going to be in front of you, guiding you and leading you and corrupting you and, and bringing all the things you don't want to happen into your life. Hallelujah. Because you can't even follow Christ except in the vanity of our own minds if we're not denying self, taking up our cross to be able to follow. And that's what he taught. Glory be to God. 
He says, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that will not fade away. That means the reward, the prize, the blessing that you receive, leader for feeding, pastor for feeding the flock of God, that reward is never going to go away. You're going to eternally experience the glory of Christ through what he, you've allowed him to be able to do through you. You see, it's never really about what we do. It's about what we allow him to do. And he is not allowed to do what he desires to do if our faith is not in the one legal avenue that allows him to do all that he does among the people of God. If you're still one of those Christians that think God just does what he does when he wants to do, if that were the case, and it's not, but if that were the case, then we'd all just be living, uh, listen, we'd all just be tiptoeing through the tulips of holiness, hallelujah, and we wouldn't need to be reminded of a lot of things we've been reminded of in the New Testament such as don't lie, quit lying, quit stealing, don't suffer as a murderer. Oh, I'm a Christian. I wouldn't normally tell you something, folks. A Christian can do anything a lost person can do if their faith is not in the sacrifice of Christ. I'm not talking about that blanket statement that we so often make of, well, of course I believe in the cross. I'm not talking about you believed it happened. I'm talking about what the Bible says. You must be found trusting in your union with Christ in his death. Hallelujah. That's where your union with him is located. That's the only place you'll find fellowship with him. Everything else is a vain imagination of men. Religious thoughts that have been exalted above the knowledge of God. To prove it, look in Revelation 3 verse 20. Jesus is knocking on the door of the hearts of the church of Laodicea. They have his Holy Spirit indwelling them, but they're not in fellowship with him. The doorknob is not on the outside of that door. If it were, he'd just open it and go on in. But the doorknob is on the inside of the door. That's why he says, if any man hear my voice and open the door. It's up to men to open the door. But the man that will open the door is the man that's trusting in the sacrifice of Christ because that is the only door between us and God. Jesus said he is the door, but the cross, his death, is the hinge that opens the door, the heart that trusts in the death. Not the, not the man, the woman, the boy, or the girl that says, of course we believe in the cross. No, it's the heart that is found by God trusting in the death of Jesus. There's where our union and our victory, so many Christians living in this life wondering why they're not experiencing victory. It's because... They believe the cross happened, but they're not trusting in, depending on what Jesus there did for them in every moment of their life. And they say, well, I've been forgiven, but I need something. I need... Well, it's going to be found only in your union with your Savior in His death. It's your hiding place. It's your refuge. Hallelujah. Jesus is your refuge because you were immersed into him, into his death, Romans 6.3. Come on, somebody. Without the cross, you're going to wonder why your life is, is burning out. Your, 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 your spirituality is on burnout. Your, 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 your life is like a contradiction. You, you, you start making excuses for, for sin instead of finding the way out of sin. And the way out of sin is your faith in Jesus, in His death, and you will find the escape He's provided for you. This is why... Uh, Christians don't know this. Preachers don't know this or they'd be preaching it. 
And we, we say and we said for years and the most, the majority of all preachers do, God will make a way. Hang on, God's going to make a way. God has already made the way of escape for all who will only look to Him and what He did in His Son at Calvary. It is your only escape. There won't be another option. Through that one escape, you will find everything you're looking for. Outside of that, outside of faith in the sacrifice of Christ, we are, even in our ignorance and don't know it, we are working hard to bring about our escape from things that are hindering us. We're working hard. But all we're doing is burying ourselves deeper in the bondages that we're in because the benefits of the new covenant are only found in the blood. And if I'm going to pastor a flock, if I'm going to, to offer a spiritual counsel, if I'm going to be found feeding the flock of God, I've got to be feeding them the only meal that's on the table, which is the flesh and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, the Bible is big. Is it all about that? Every word. The Bible says that we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus taught that in Matthew 4, 4 and Luke 4 and 4, I believe. But yet the Bible says the life we find is in the blood. The life we find is in the blood. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is pointing you to the cross, to the blood of the Lamb, not to your doing this and doing that. And people today say, well, it's time to move on from the cross. We need to preach the practical, teach the practical things of God. The practical things of God is what Jesus did at Calvary. That's what's practical. And it's the only way that we'll ever understand love, faith, hope. It's the only way we'll ever understand our ministries God has called us to. It's the only way we'll ever understand how to have a right marriage of literally experiencing the being of one person in God's eyes that we are in a marriage of raising our children in the admonition of the Lord without the cross of Christ being the center of it all, the focus of it all, the touch upon our heart's faith of it all, then we'll just be trying to move into practical things and they will never work because if we try to go around the cross, then we're back at trying to work to make things happen instead of trusting in the work Jesus carried out to make sure His will could happen for our lives. Amen? So he says, When the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. And when we're found faithful for doing what God's called us to do, the way God has called us to do it, then the reward will be there and it will be there forever. Hallelujah. Lay up treasures for yourself in heaven, Jesus taught, that will not fade away. But every treasure that's laid up in heaven is back, back to the focus of what we allow Jesus by His Spirit to do. And that is not happening without a surrendered heart that is touching the cross of Christ. It's not just Jesus. Why? And I've been asked, why can't it just be Jesus? Why do y'all always, always have to be about the cross? Because without the cross, Jesus is not going to be our experience. When Jesus said, you can do nothing without, I'm the vine, you're the branch, and you can do nothing, no thing without me, how do you think you can do anything with him? How do you think he's a part of what we do? Number one, it has to be the will of God. The will of God is only carried out by the Spirit of God in and through people. But the Spirit of God works within the perimeters of the new covenant law. And the Bible says in Hebrews that the law has changed. When the priesthood changed, and it did, when Jesus became the new and everlasting high priest, the Bible said there was also necessity that the law change. 
and the law changed. It's no longer Old Testament law. It's New Covenant law, the law of the Spirit of life here in Christ Jesus, meaning in His death. Faith in His death puts you in Christ. Faith in His death allows you to walk in Christ Jesus. Colossians 2, 6. Get this. So you and I need to understand these things. And the, and the pastors that do are God's ministers of righteousness who are very few in the earth today. They are here and there and they are growing in number, but they are very few, minute compared to ministers that stand in pulpits and attempt to feed the flock of God. And without the gospel, there is nothing there but a lording over the people, even if it's in some false humility. Without the gospel, without the right meal being offered and fed to the people, then there is a lording over. Then there is a, a wrong oversight. And this is 90% or higher in the church today. I promise you, it doesn't really matter who gets mad at me for saying it. So many people through the years have come back later and said, you know what, you were right. My goodness, I wish I would have listened the first time I heard all this stuff about the cross. I heard it and, and it sounded right, but I thought, man, if I go that way, I'll, I'll lose. I'll have to give up all this. And, and it's a true statement. And years later, several throughout these last 18 years... In my ministry, I've come back and said, you're so right. You're so right. And if I'd have listened, I wouldn't have put my family through all that I put it through. Because they chose to opt out of the focus of Calvary and to go on in what they were in. And I promise you today, right now, everything is being shaken more intensely than ever before. Let me say that one more time. Everything right now is being shaken more intensely than ever before. And everything that is not a part of the kingdom of God, which is the only thing Hebrews chapter 12 says cannot be shaken, will be shaken. So you got to get, you got to cut, you got to get away from everything that can be shaken because if you're holding on to things that are being shaken, you're going to be shaken. So the kingdom of God, which is God's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is the only thing that's not going to be shaken. Hallelujah. Because in those things is the only place the Bible says that we can serve God, serve Christ, serve Christ acceptably unto God. Hallelujah. He says this now. Likewise, verse 5, you younger, here comes the ugly word, submit yourselves. Unto the elder. Yea, all of you be another uh, ugly word. Subject yourselves one to another. And be clothed with humility because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now I have the words submit and to be subject highlighted here in this one verse as well as the word humility and humble. Because our flesh, if our flesh hates anything, it's the word submit yourself. Oh, our flesh hates that word. Because why? Because our flesh doesn't like to submit to anybody. Our flesh wants to rule. Jesus knows this. That's why he said to be able to follow him, to be able for him to be the ruler in our experience Self must be denied. And he goes on to say, you must take up your cross, meaning you must have faith in me and what I came to do at Calvary because it's the only avenue of self-denial. The only thing God has provided to, to stop self from ruling is self-dying is the cross of Christ. <laughs> Self-denial is not me denying myself of a candy bar or a pillow on my bed or sugar in my tea. If you don't want to eat those things, you don't want a pillow on your bed, that's your business. But it's not going to get you anything with the Lord. Nothing, because it's something you're doing. And your faith is in what you're doing. The true picture 
of scriptural self-denial results in taking up your cross and following Christ. Not not eating a candy bar. Not filling your shopping cart at Walmart with a lot of things you'd like to have and then go putting it back on the shelf and call, well, I'm denying myself. No, biblical self-denial every time. If it's biblical self-denial, it results in a faith exclusively in the cross. That's the only thing that denies self. Me telling self, you're denying, denying you, you're not denying self. Self just has you talking like a puppet on, on a string. The cross of Christ, the death of Jesus, is the only thing that God offers that works that denies self. You can't run self off. You can't shut self up, that selfish thing that wants to rule. But you can deny self if you take up your cross then you're following the one who is the true ruler, the one who reigns, hallelujah, to the Lamb. Watch this. We are told to submit. The younger are told to submit to the elder. Now this can't just be exclusively talking about age in the church because it's obvious someone of 60 years old could come in the church, 70 years old, and in a moment, be born again, but be a babe in Christ and someone who's 25, been a Christian for 10 years and learning to trust in Christ and Him crucified, learning to exercise their faith in the word of righteousness and have a greater level of discernment. Yes, respect the elder because they're older, yes, but submit to them spiritually just because they're older, Absolutely not. So that's why we know the word elder here speaks of not only older in age, but the requirement is that these elders are elders in the faith. These elders are leaders in the church. And we are to submit ourselves to those who are elder, older in the Lord, learning this great truth of fighting to maintain faith in the gospel and all of us, the Bible says, be subject one to another. And I want us to look together up to, to together, look up the word subject, because it means to be subordinate, one to another. Everybody in the church, subordinate. And it means reflexively to obey. Now we know it's it's not talking about obedience unto sin, so we can't take advice, we can't take counsel from anybody who's offering us anything, even the Word of God, if it doesn't climax at Calvary with Christ. Because if it doesn't, it, listen, if the Word of God, the counsel of God doesn't climax at Calvary, then it's just the Word telling us what to do that we'll go try to do without understanding Jesus has already finished all things at Calvary. And if that's what we're seeing, if that's where our faith is, then the Holy Spirit will be able to guide us and lead us into the doing of the Word. Not without us seeing and submitting to the truth of Calvary first. Why? Because that's where He's always delivering us to. Why? Because only as we behold that glorious image are we being changed into that glorious image which is the death of Jesus. Not the bloody, gory mess hanging on a tree that was obviously seen, but the one who humbled himself and was found obedient unto death by committing himself to the one who judges righteously. That's what God saw on the tree as far as it pertaining to what Christ was doing for us to be able to bring us into that very experience of being humble and obedient unto God and being able to have His Spirit and have the experience within our hearts of fulfilling the righteousness of the law by being in Christ Jesus and carrying out the very life of Christ here as we represent Him by faith 
in what he did to represent us on the tree. So the Bible here says, and again, when you start talking about being submissive to leadership, to pastoral, to wives being submissive to husbands, children being submissive to parents, you, you can't talk about that without bringing in what the Holy Spirit brought in here, which is humility, being humble. And let me go ahead and say this right now. Any humility that God sees that's true scriptural humility is the humility of Christ. We have none in and of ourselves. We have none. When we were born again, we heard the Holy Spirit talking to us. We did not know it was Him. No matter how people try to look and sound so spiritual, that we were lost and undone. We did not know we were hearing the voice of God minister the gospel to us. We couldn't see past it being grandma or some preacher or friend or whoever God was using. But nevertheless, it was Almighty God by His Spirit speaking to us the gospel, showing us how lost we were and how saved we could be. Maybe not to the degree did we see how lost we were, but we saw our destination was not a good destination the way we were going and we were offered a better destination. We were offered a way out of guilt and shame and fear and we believed that. And we received in that moment because our hearts believed unto righteousness, Romans 10 and 10, the righteousness of Christ being carried out at Calvary. Remember, Peter wrote in the first chapter here, that, or the second chapter, uh, that Christ committed himself to the one who judges righteously on the cross. Humble unto death, trusting the one who judges righteously. That's what God saw. That's what God desires. That's what we're being made conformable to. But only as we behold that, meaning only, only as we are found trusting in that. Not that blanket statement that says, well, of course I believe in the cross. No. All Christians know the cross happened. All Christians know they were saved because of the cross. But is that still the focus of your Christian ministry? Is that still the focus of what your heart is touching by faith, moment by moment? You say, does it have to be that radical? Let me remind you again, the Holy Spirit always delivers us who are alive to the death of Jesus. Moment by moment means always, means moment by moment so that we can express the life of Jesus. How often do we want to express the life of Christ? Well, just that often we have to be beholding and accepting by faith what the Holy Spirit is delivering us unto every step of the way, which is the sacrifice of Christ. This is learning to be determined to know nothing other, to trust in nothing other, to behold nothing other. And in beholding this great truth of Christ crucified and trusting in this great truth, the Holy Spirit will teach us all the other things the Word discusses without us having to let go and look away from what we're being told now by many, you need to look away from the cross. Everything in the Bible is not about the cross. And I understand what they think they mean, but you have to be looking through the cross to see anything the Holy Spirit is desiring to teach you. Because to follow Christ, you must deny self, take up the cross to follow Him. Amen. Jesus said in Luke 14, 26 and 27, if you don't bear your cross, you cannot be my disciple. The word disciple means learner. That means learning is over. Learning is over when I put the cross down. Then I go into another phase of learning, which is now what I've got to experience because I'm not 
bearing my cross, which is the rulership and the domination of my flesh and the sin nature. That's all I can learn outside of bearing my cross. But if I'll take the cross up and I'll follow Jesus, the only way I can follow Jesus, not by going to church, but by denying myself taking up my cross, there is the learning place, my friends. And you, Listen, don't listen to preachers that tell you, yeah, yeah, you got to have your faith in the cross, but you also need to be learning all these other... Yes, we need to be learning everything that's written in the Word of God because by every word we do live, but it must be viewed through the blood. Another confirmation of that is what the Lord has given us over the last few years, and that is Proverbs 8 and 8. All of His words are in righteousness. Amen. Proverbs 8 and 8. All of his words, all the words of his mouth are in righteousness. And Romans 1, 16 and 17 tell us that his righteousness is revealed in the gospel. Therefore, every word of God must be viewed in his righteousness. The gospel. Every word of God is in righteousness and must be viewed through the gospel, which is Christ crucified, or it's going to be the words that we're hearing outside of the context of the cross of Christ, which is the righteousness of God offered, declared there to men, causes us to hold God's words of truth in an unrighteous manner. So when we say we understand the cross now, now let's move on to prayer, now let's move on to fasting, now let's move on to... There is no focus of prayer and fasting. The focus is the cross of Christ. That, get that, what gave us eyes to see was being born again, faith in the blood. It's what gives us eyes to see everything else that we see or we're not seeing any of it with clarity, with clearness. So as long as we'll just remain faithful to keep looking and beholding that glorious image that we're being changed into, then the Holy Spirit will be faithful to teach us about prayer, about the rapture, about our positions in the church, about everything that's written in God's Word. We can't behold it properly. We can't hold it properly unless we're beholding the Lamb. Before everything. Everything in God's Word can only be seen clearly in the light of the Lamb. And as many refuse this narrow way, as many refuse this place of determination, which is God's predetermination found in our hearts, as it was the Apostle Paul then they'll have to struggle and they'll have to suffer and they'll have to try to make excuses as why we can allow pre people to come in and point us to other things and say other foolish things that distract us and confuse us from the focus of Calvary. But God is raising up men and women, boys and girls, all over the world who are refusing to listen to anyone who points to anything using God's Word other than the Lamb of God. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for what God is doing. So when we see in the Bible a command to all of us Christians to submit ourselves to the elder, the elder, the pastor of the church, the husband of the wife, the parents of the children, here specifically the elder in the church, the pastor, those leaders who are older and more mature in the way of the cross, the way of Christ. To be all subject one to another. It cannot be done without the humility of Christ. And that's found only through our faith in the sacrifice. You see, there is a reason, and we've already shared it, but I can't say it enough because it's, it's scarcely rarely heard. Most Christians actually think we're being conformed, made conformable to the resurrection of Jesus. And we're not. Not on the journey here. We're not going to find that 
fullness of that resurrected body until we see Christ. Here, we're on a journey headed there. And here, this journey is about following in His footsteps of righteousness, Psalms 85, 13. Amen. This journey is about the denial of self taking up our cross to be able to follow the leader of the church, which is the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. So here in this journey is about the focus of the Lamb. What is heaven's focus, my friends? Read Revelation 5, you'll see what the focus of heaven is. It's everybody gathered around the Lamb, bowed before the Lamb, praising and worshiping the one who has the appearance of one slain as a lamb. The ones who are singing worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive riches, honor, glory, and blessing, and power. And if Jesus taught when we pray that we're to pray as it is in heaven, may it be here on earth, come on somebody. May it be here on earth as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven, the focus is the one who was slain as a lamb. And throughout all eternity, though Christ be the resurrected lamb of God, the resurrected son of God, he will carry throughout eternity the marks on his body to remind us that resurrection life he is to us forever will only be because of who he was for us on the tree. Oh, my goodness. Even in heaven throughout all eternity, when we behold Christ, we will be beholding the one that gives us the memory of why we're there, who we are there, what we're doing there, where we're even headed every moment that we are there throughout all eternity. For God to be able to show the riches of His grace, exceeding riches of His grace toward us eternally will be because of the marks we see on our Savior that always point us 10,000, 10 million years from now back to where He humbled Himself and became obedient even unto death as He committed himself and his soul to the one who judges righteously. Oh my goodness, how beautiful that is. That is what we are being made conformable to. A people that through Christ Jesus, by faith in his death, moment by moment, learn to accept his humility unto death is our humility. His obedience is our obedience and His committing Himself to the one who judges righteously being what's found in our hearts causing our footsteps to follow in His footsteps of righteousness. Righteousness shall go, go before you, the Scriptures say of Christ, that we might follow in the way of his steps. How beautiful is Psalms 85 and 13. The way we follow in the way of his footsteps is in the way of righteousness, which is the way of the cross. Hallelujah. Oh, my heart is touched by the Lord this morning, right now in a special way. There's no way we can function as the church in a healthy manner unless we are submitted to the leaders, those, by the way, who are leading in the way of righteousness, not just because they're a pastor or a leader, for the most of them are not leading right because they don't know the right way of experiencing Christ's leadership. Christ is the head after they're saved. If they did, they'd be preaching that. They'd be focused on these things. They'd be feeding the flock of God. And again, as we brought out last week in the book of Jeremiah, we see that in chapter 23 and verse 4, prophesied of the ministers that God would raise up 
Listen to the, to the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 23 and 4. And I will set up shepherds. God says he will set, set up shepherds. He will set up pastors over them which shall feed them. Talking about his people. And they shall fear no more. Mm. Nor be dismayed. Neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. There's only one meal, my fr- not two. There's only one meal that's spread on the table in the presence of our enemies. And that's the meal of the Lord Jesus Christ, flesh and blood. That's what's on the table in the presence of our enemies. That's what we partake of to be able by faith in our experience to find ourselves hidden by the in, hidden from the enemy untouchable by the enemy he can't do anything to us and control us when we find ourselves in that hiding place of Christ crucified god's ministers are ministers of righteousness. And the Lord is showing us how to discern between those who are ministers of righteousness and those who are not. Ministers of righteousness will be pointing us to that constantly that made us righteous, pointing constantly to that, that allow our footsteps to be found in the way of His righteousness, Christ, that is. God's ministers of righteousness will be pointing us to that which is the light we walk in. Psalms 37, 6 says that our righteousness has been made unto us light because our righteousness is Christ crucified. Jesus is our light, but only as our faith is in His death does Jesus as our light turn on to us? As we've said it many times, Jesus is the light, but the cross, his death, is the switch. Hallelujah. Those in Laodicea sat in their own fellowship in darkness, but did not know they were in darkness. The one who is the light was outside the door knocking to get in, Revelation 3 and 20. That's not to a lost world. That's to an already saved church. Those who carried within their bodies the temple of God, the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. But yet, though they had the Spirit of God, they were outside of fellowship with the one who is light. And until they repent... And come back to the cross, the truth of the cross. Then that door will not be opened unto Christ so he can come in and dine with them and him with them. Outside of this one avenue, everything is a vain imagination of men and only religious thoughts in our hearts that have exalted themselves above the knowledge of God. I hope you've been encouraged today. I hope the Lord has been able to touch your heart and draw you closer to Him than ever before. To have a greater determination to know nothing other. To have no other focus other. No other boast in anything other than the cross of Christ. That which God saw there that He's conforming you into there only while you behold that image, 2 Corinthians 3.18. There is where the Spirit of the Lord is. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there, my friend, we find that liberty. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory be to God. I hope you tune in every Monday and Friday morning. If you can, I hope you'd continue to find these online where you're finding them, which is... The Crossway Church, Queen City, Texas Facebook page or the Curtis Hutchinson 316 YouTube channel. 
And I also ask the Lord to stir your heart to share these podcasts, broadcasts, these airings to all the people that you know, every page you have, whether it be YouTube, Facebook, whatever, because we are here to publish the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live this truth and to publish this truth. And I'm thankful for all of those who've heard the cry of Calvary, the cry of Calvary, the cry of God, to gather His people around the Lamb before He comes and takes us home. Hallelujah. I pray today would be the day that you find the touch of the Lord on your body, soul, and spirit. And whatever lack there may be, you find Him, Christ Jesus, as your provision and the fullness of all that you need today in any capacity for whatever you need is found in the Lamb of God, in the cross of Christ. And I'm thankful for every one of you who pray for us and so financially give offerings to the Lord through this ministry. For those of you who have not done that and the Lord stirs your heart to do that, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com. You can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. He loves you. I love you. And let's keep looking for Him because today just might be the day. Till I see you again, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.